from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as we get you set for Labor Day. Hamilton, Toronto, the Labor Day Classic. Before we get into that, and we've got so much to talk about today with Chad Kelly's re-signing, the passing of Rich Stubler as well. Uh, We want to check in on some of the Toronto draft picks who have been released by teams, signed to practice squads. We want to talk about Shane Ray's injury settlement, plus go through all of our usual stuff to get you set for the Labor Day Classic. Before we get into all that, I want to tell you a little bit about something in the water brewing. You've got to check them out. If you haven't already, they're in Liberty village you can you can get to them very easily from lamport stadium from bmo field it's the perfect place to go before the game we had a ton of you last time before the game uh, enjoying a beverage at something in the water after practice at lamport stadium you can wander over grab a drink uh, something in the water brewing's got a beer just for you a, f- a beer designed for fans of the double blue and that's longboat so make sure you check that out at something in the water brewing JB, we got a ton to talk about today. Let's, first of all, before we get into the Labor Day stuff, let's talk about the Chad Kelly deal. So Chad Kelly signs a three-year extension. Uh, Farhan Lalji is reporting that it's worth $1.865 million over three years. So that's uh, $615,000, $625,000, and $625,000, which is about in line. Caleros this year being paid $600,000. So we knew he'd be the highest paid player in the league. I don't think there was any doubt about that. This this is a deal that just had to get done, and I don't think the money is anything out of the ordinary, right? No, I think the money is is bang on. I mean, I'm I'm really happy with the money. Uh, wasn't uh, I'm sure the league is happy with the money too. You know, this is not a, a you know a blow a blow the ratio out of proportion. This is absolutely uh, an in line deal for somebody who has shown his level of talent. Yeah, and he's playing at MOP level right now. And so you expect that anyway. Even if, you know, even if you were playing slightly behind Zach Caleros, you'd still expect this deal because that's just the nature of contracts. They go up each year, Caleros setting that 600,000 benchmark. You would expect that anyone in that ballpark is going to get more the next year. And so for it not to be at 700, 750, something like that, I think is, is good for the league, is good for the team. And Chad Kelly gets paid well from this too. And just to go through, you know, why this was such a must-sign deal for the Argonauts, look around the league at teams that don't have a quarterback. Like, Chad Kelly is the guy. I think we've seen him enough to know that what he brings to the Toronto Argonauts is, on his own, a chance to to be in the picture. Uh, Zach Kolaris has done the same thing with Winnipeg. If you don't have a quarterback, if there's a guy you're not sure about, like, you look at look at Calgary's team. Jake Mayer's been up and down. I know he played well last week, but he hasn't for most of the season. <laughs> they don't they don't have a good team uh, outside of him, uh, and that's you know well it's actually it's not it's not a bad team. They don't have a bad team. They don't have a good team. They just have guys, but they're out of the picture. If you're not getting good quarterback play well, in the CFL, you're done. Right. It reminds me of that old line about hockey where they should rename it goalie, and you know in football you may you could just rename it quarterback. And we're playing a game of quarterback today because if you don't have one, you know, nobody wants to say it out loud and certainly PR departments don't. But if you don't have one, you're just wasting your time. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And Chad Kelly, not only the Argos 8-1, uh, he leads the league in rushing touchdowns, which is just one of the weirder stats. But he also leads the league in, in quarterback rating, which is huge. Touchdown to interception ratio, percentage of drives that ends in touchdowns. Like all the all the important quarterback stats, Chad Kelly is either at the top or second uh, behind Zach Caleras. It's it's those two guys, and they have set themselves apart from everyone else. So, yeah, this is just something that absolutely needed to happen. I want to read a couple lines that I thought were interesting, uh, released by the Argonauts. So, Chad Kelly said one thing. Uh, he actually said a number of things, but there's one, there's one that I've pulled here. He said, Today marks not only a contract extension, but an extension of my commitment to the amazing city of Toronto, my teammates, coaches, front office, and MLSE. The reason I wanted to pull that quote specifically is I wonder how much seeing the treatment of Nathan Rourke over the last few days I wonder how much that went into like because I I think this probably happens anyway because it's not like this contract means he can't explore NFL opportunities down the road but I think it starts to become less worthwhile and far less likely Um, I think you and I know that both Chad Kelly and Nathan Rourke would be absolutely fine in the NFL. We know that there are backup quarterbacks around the NFL right now who are not as good as these two players, without question. But it's just not something that is really a reality. We've seen from Nathan Rourke what's happened to him in Jacksonville where he seemingly uh, promised a, a chance to compete for the backup role that's taken away from him. He clearly outplayed C.J. Beathard in the preseason, and so that was never on the table. Um, And so Chad Kelly, maybe he looks at that. He's older. Nathan Rourke put up even better numbers than Chad Kelly's putting up this year. And he's like, well, like for for this money, like this is more than U.S. practice squad money uh, by far. And so it just made sense for him to sign a deal like this. So this is a great deal for the player. It's a great deal for the team. And, And I think... For any Argonauts fans that are worried about this and say, well, now now the Argos are in trouble because they're not going to be able to field a good team, look at Winnipeg. Winnipeg's been one of the best teams in the league this season, paying Zach Caleros that same type of money. So it's that's just not a reality. Yeah, that's, that, no, that's not a reality. And, the, you know, like, especially in the CFL. Well, you, that can be worked around. I agree. I mean, obviously, this contract would have been, a, you know, a, a long and complex negotiation uh but i i find it hard to believe that the rourke situation wouldn't have factored a little bit into into the signing of it because i I think there is a considerable anti-cfl bias in the nfl um just looking at the way work was treated i mean it's it's outrageous and I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know what NFL coaches think, but I certainly have talked to lots of high school coaches, and I've certainly seen coaches prejudge people and make determinations on people uh, based on where they're from, and as well as we've seen great Canadian athletes come through high school that would never get a look in the States. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the reality, and whether, you know, Chad felt like, this was the time to to up with with the people that supported him and and that he is successful with. Uh, it's great, and I think it speaks to his leadership, which all the players and people associated with the Argos talk about. And I think this kind of commitment just speaks to everything that we've heard uh, about who he is as a person and how respected he is on the club. This kind of commitment is you know really fantastic to see. I mean, it's it's a terrific day for Toronto sports. 
Yeah, it is. It's huge. And I think most Toronto fans are ecstatic because this contract, this signing alone keeps and, and it's so hard to it's so for anyone outside of football to understand that, like if you don't follow football, you don't watch the game, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But you see, you know, 24 guys on the field. How could one guy mean that much? But it's like you said, at quarterback, it's just different. And so the the leadership he's shown, the contract that he's signed now, this puts Toronto in Grey Cup running for not just this year but the next three years as well that's the thing if you don't if you don't have that guy it's it's a gamble at, at best and so they are now preseason. you've got to consider them for each of the next three years as well as what he's doing this year obviously with the with a stack team around him there's one more line i want to share with you jb this was from this was from pinball clemens today and kind of addresses some of the things that you just talked about. I'm going to sort of pick and choose a few lines from from what he had to say. So Pinball said, Today's news is not just great for the Toronto Argonauts, it's outstanding for our league. The greatest part of the story is what you don't see. Mr. Kelly has led this team from the offseason back in the winter to a team that's become a consistent winner. He arrives early, he stays late. Like that to me, is what you want to see from Chad Kelly. We know the talent's been there, but everyone around the organization has talked about his commitment level going back to last year, where he stayed in the city of Toronto, aside from venturing out to uh, to do quarterback training. He stayed in Toronto. He stayed in touch with the coaches. He knows the offense uh, as well as anyone knows any offense. And that's been the time that he's put in. First to arrive, last to leave. Those were the questions we didn't have answers to when Chad Kelly was signed. We have them now, and that's why he is now the highest played player in the CFL. JB, let's uh, let's move things along. We'll, I'm sure, check back in with, with Kelly throughout as we get to OCDC and other segments too, but we got a lot to cover today. Rich Stubler, uh, former Argonauts head coach, defensive coordinator, he's been around the CFL for, for decades, uh, sadly passed away this week. And I, I really want to spend a bit of time talking about Coach Stubler. He was just such uh, an important figure in the CFL, such an amazing guy as well. And, you know, you and I um, covered him when he was here in his last stint in Toronto. Uh, my time with Rich Stubler goes back to when I started coaching. And I just want to share a couple of stories. And and I know that you'll probably want to weigh on in on this as well because of what he's meant to to the CFL and Canadian football. But Coach Stubler, when I first started coaching, uh, I went to a coaching clinic that was run by the Toronto Argonauts. And he and Steve Barato, uh, the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator at the time for the Argos, spent so much time with me that wasn't needed. It wasn't even tied to the clinic at that point. They had no obligations. They didn't need to stay there. And Rich Stubler in particular, because my understanding of defense was rudimentary at best. And I think, JB, you might still say it is rudimentary at best. But uh, Coach Stubler stayed there with me. We worked on the grease board. He answered every question I had. He was so patient with me and so excited that there was a young coach asking good questions and someone just, you know, wanting to to pick his brain on on something that he obviously had a mastery of. And so for him to have spent the time with me on that, I thought was tremendous. And I reminded him of that uh, when he was with the Argos in 2021. We got to talk a, a fair amount, whether it was at practice, after practice, um, sharing an elevator down um, from the top floor at BMO Field during games. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't, that didn't stand out to him, that he didn't remember that encounter. And I think Part of that is the number of occasions in which I'm sure he has helped out 
other coaches and he is he's shared his knowledge with with whoever i uh, was asking the question and i think you know that alone if i knew nothing else about him i think would would be enough um to warrant spending enough you know a, a lot of time talking about him today but there was so much more than that and you look around the league at the number of coaches, the number of players that have been impacted by Coach Stubler around the CFL, around the NFL, his coaching tree spreads like a rhododendron bush. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just stop at, at a few branches. He's had such an impact on this league. Um, you know, for UJB, what you know, what what comes to mind when when we're talking about Rich Stubler for you? Just a legend. Five-time Great Cup winner, you know, defensive coordinator, um, a guy who coached high school ball in the states, coached uh, NCAA, coached arena football. I mean, just you know, as someone who who loves watching football, I mean, it's just amazing to watch a man who has dedicated his life to to coaching defense and to to being a football guy. Um, you see the number of players who have reached out about it on on social media, you know. The fact that he was able to coach that long uh, in that many places just shows how much people respected him. He was part of the Argos turnaround from, you know, basically irrele- irrelevance. So, you know, I certainly at, at the end of his career I will remember that and just uh, that he was um, a a coach. And I think that's how he'll be remembered. And, and I, I think that... Uh, it's great that he is getting so much uh, love and uh, and and praise uh, because he should. Yeah, absolutely. A, a coach, a football coach through and through. And so, yeah, we we want to uh, extend our extend our thoughts to to Rich Stubler's family and everyone that that knows and, and loves uh, Coach Stubler because, uh, yeah, he was a special, special figure in the CFL. Uh, JB, and just before we continue on to our next segment, I just want to uh, let listeners and viewers know if if we have any connection issues, if we cut out from time to time, this is a little bit of an unusual setup for us. Uh, I'm currently in North Carolina, um, sitting through a tropical storm, so I, I have no idea what the sound quality is going to be like. I don't. I, I hear JB sometimes cut out. Uh, but I think that might be on my end. So I apologize if that is the case. But again, as it has been many times uh, throughout the course of the last few months, uh, we've been in some unusual locations under unusual circumstances. And this is yet another one of those. So apologies if if the sound isn't uh, what we're what we're used to giving you. Um, moving along, JB, as we we get a, a lot of questions about guys Argos have drafted who are on practice rosters in the NFL or guys that are sort of bouncing around waiting. The names that come up the most are Luigi Valin in Minnesota, Jared Wayne, this year's draft pick in um, in Houston, uh, Sage Dockstader, who uh, isn't currently on an NFL roster, and sometimes Benjamin Saint-Just, but that's, you know, he's in a whole different category. I just want to go quickly through those guys to update you, because again, with Villain and Wayne being released this past week, questions came up again about them. So let's just answer those right here. So Luigi Villain, first of all, 2021 draft pick, 
uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's not going to appear in the CFL anytime soon. He was released by the Minnesota Vikings. I reached out to Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings, and he said to me it was just simply a numbers thing. They were there was a rookie in particular they didn't want to have exposed um, and released him and had the opportunity for other teams to pick him up. And so Valand sort of became a, a numbers victim that way. But he fully expects him to contribute this year, if not in his like three call-ups, and then even more significantly brought up permanently if there is an injury or something like that. And so that probably means Valand's not someone that we're going to see around at all this year. And certainly it's unlikely next year and probably into the future because he's he's made himself a and, and he played really well this preseason too so he's he's really sort of carved himself a, a niche there so do not wait on Luigi Valam. Uh, Jared Wayne is a little bit more interesting so he was cut by the Houston Texans he signed on their practice squad he is someone that I do think maybe at some point makes his way up here. And this is probably someone more like what we saw with Ryan Hunter, where he was drafted in 2018, didn't appear in the CFL till 2022. I think that's probably more the timeline we're looking at for Jared Wayne. Um, the fact that he was one of the last players added to the Houston Texans practice squad, I, I don't know if that really comes into play. But, you know, not a guy that has seen time yet. We'll see how the season goes for him. But I still think that's not a guy we're even talking about for next year. I still think we're talking down the road. Sage Dockstader may be the most immediate uh, guy you'll see. He was also in that 2021 class. Remember, he was with the New Orleans Saints on their practice roster, played this past season with the Houston Roughnecks, uh, but hasn't signed anywhere. He's not currently on any NFL practice roster. He still is under contract in the XFL with the Roughnecks, I believe. And so for him, I think if there's any one of these four guys that's going to appear next season for the Argos, that's the guy that I would probably look at of these four. And the last one, Benjamin St. Just, he is not, there's no, I don't think there's any chance he will ever be in the CFL. He's a starter for the Washington Commanders. Um, he's had a couple years under his belt now. He was in that 2021 class. I do not expect to see St. Just at, at all in the CFL. So those are the four guys that that I, I, I think most needed talking about those are the, those are the questions that i keep getting asked so that's their status and where they all stand jb shane ray uh released with an injury settlement with the buffalo bills uh this was this is so sad to see for me he was injured in the second preseason game against pittsburgh it was a hamstring injury put on injured reserve the fact that they've got an injury settlement what that means is that he's now free to sign anywhere he is a free agent so that part's good for him I wonder if we'll see him back in the CFL when his hamstring heals, but I just, I, it crushes me because a guy that clearly had NFL talent and just his body continued to let him down, wrist surgeries and injuries and arm injuries, and now the hamstring injury to keep him out of Buffalo after playing well in preseason. I know he's a guy that you really liked. Uh, just one of those things where he couldn't avoid the the injury bug and, and that's sort of been how his career has been defined yeah it's brutal to 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 see um because he has a nfl first step he played so well for the argos he definitely could have been like a rotational guy for the bills um yeah i mean all, all you can say is i hope i hope he gets another shot or maybe potentially he comes back north uh, and that it's not over for him but uh he he definitely um deserves a little more football 
The Toronto Argonauts and Calgary Stampeders drew the biggest TSN audience of the week. Now, they're not the biggest when you include the RDS numbers. Montreal would take that title. But if it's just the TSN English language broadcast, Argos Stamps, which some might view as unlikely, but the Argos do and have put up good TV numbers. And there's more buzz. We talked about that with the Chad Kelly segment. More people are talking about the Toronto Argonauts because of Chad Kelly than I, I've seen in years. And it, the winning helps too, but Chad is doing a lot of this. Just even myself, like my my phone was blowing up today. I've got a, a number of media requests, which I don't normally have, but most of those are related to, to Chad Kelly. I've got one in, in Edmonton as well and a trade forward piece that I wrote for Three Down Nation, but mostly it's people wanting to talk about Chad Kelly because he's a name. And to get mainstream media saying, Chad Kelly signed a three-year extension, we need to talk to somebody that knows something about the Toronto Argonauts, that, that's a positive sign because we weren't seeing that last year. We weren't seeing that years ago. This is something that for sure stands out as uh, as a unique thing. And I think something that Yes, it's the winning record, but Chad Kelly brings a lot of this. Do you, how much, like, can you weigh this? Like, what percentage of the interest in Toronto is Chad Kelly related? Is it as high as I'm I'm saying, or am, am I off on this? Well, I think so. I think that people are, uh, are aware of him. Some think he is Jim Kelly's son rather than nephew. But his, I would say that his, gen, the, lead, the, the general public's awareness of the Argos is aware of him as as a growing star so i do think that uh, that def- that definitely factors into it Let's get set for the game. JB, it is Labor Day. This used to mean death for the Argos. Does it still uh we'll have to wait and see. I think there's something to the fact that Hamilton upset BC last week. I actually think that's a good thing for Toronto because I I feel like if Hamilton had come into this game with yet another loss, just sitting there in the basement with no good news for weeks, this definitely becomes their Grey Cup game. And to have them go out and beat BC last week, not only does it put them back on the radar a little bit for Toronto, it uh, buys them a little bit of, uh, or I guess maybe um, relieves that sort of sense of urgency for them. So maybe their their win in BC last week was a good thing for the Argos. How are you feeling going to this Labor Day game? Is this one that you're approaching with dread or you feel okay about it? JB, you there? Did I lose you? Sorry, just having some technical difficulties there. Yeah, no worries. I know we're cutting in and out. So Labor Day, uh, are are you dreading this or you feel okay about it? I I don't know what to make of Hamilton. I don't. I can't believe they beat BC. Uh, I'm not dreading it. No, I think that I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think that they will be fired up. That they're going to feel like giant killers. Uh, they're going to feel like if we can beat the Argos on Labor Day, that'll kind of be our gray cup, if you will. Um, I think it's going to be a really uphill battle. And I think it's fantastic for the Argos to have to go in and and battle against a, an energetic Hamilton team. I mean, no, but there's no point in, you know, knocking off some team that's kind of fallen apart. I mean, nothing is gained from that. I, I think it's, it's great for the Argos. I mean, we have different goals than the, than the Hamilton team. So uh, I think, I think that that is a great challenge for the team to get up for. Yeah, and this one at three thirty start Monday. Uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be awesome. I think it's gonna be a really good game. I, I love the intensity that they're because 
If Hamilton doesn't win that game in BC, I think you're coming into this game, well, yeah, let's see, Hamilton, what do they have to play for? Uh, you know, and that's not the energy now. Because like you say, if they win this game, they're suddenly right back into things and will have built up tremendous momentum. Imagine beating BC and Toronto in consecutive weeks with their third string quarterback would really speak to the uh, the hope uh, that I think uh, would be rekindled in Hamilton. So, yeah, this is a huge game for them. And I, Toronto certainly can't just show up and expect to win. They're going to need to put it down. So with that being said, let's get into your favorite segment of the podcast, JB. It's OCDC. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care, celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. Check out the Business Barbershop and Spa in the Kingsway. They're located just steps from Royal York Subway. It's where I get my haircut. Uh, you got to get your haircut too. Go check it out. I promise you won't regret it. It's an amazing place. And JB, next time you get a haircut, I understand you're going there as well. Uh, you got you got to try it, right? So let's yeah, get into. No, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get into uh, OCDC. Uh, I'll start with Hamilton's offense. Uh, for me, looking at how they beat the BC Lions, the same formula has to exist for Hamilton this week. They have to be able to run the football. Powell isn't able to do it on his own. I think if you look at his numbers from last week, like how he put up his numbers, it they're they're modest. He was very accurate, 18 of 23 for 222 and a touchdown, no interceptions. It has to be that kind of game for Hamilton. They have to avoid turning it over and they have to run the football. If they can run Butler, what will happen is Toronto's going to have to get sucked into the line of scrimmage and that's going to open up those mid-range passes that we saw Powell complete last week. Most of his success was short stuff, but because of Butler running well right from the opening quarter, that's where it opened up those glance routes and those RPOs and that's, I think, how Powell is, is going to be able to move the football against the Toronto Argonauts defense. I think Toronto's defense is better than BC's. I know they sometimes allow a lot of yardage, but they typically do get the job done. I think Powell's going to be uh, up against a tremendous amount of pressure. I think they will have to build in screens and plays like that, but they need to be able to run Butler specifically up the middle. He's He's got to be able to hold those linebackers and then they can find their their guys, you know, White and, and Smith and um, Godwin Williams, whoever it is out of the backfield are um, to, to Butler as well. Like those are the things that they need to be able to to hit on in that sort of short to middle range. You can't count on Powell going deep downfield and without a running game, Toronto's just going to sit back and force Powell to make mistakes and maybe pick him off too. So for me, that's the plan. Run Butler up the middle and then play action off of that. Hit those mid-range passes. Keep Toronto's offense off the field. Take up time. Work your way methodically down the football field. All right, for you, JB, the Hamilton Tiger Cats defense. Uh, what is your plan? Uh, well, I, if I'm I'm coming into this, I think that I want to, I want to beat... Uh, as best you can, I want think you want to bait Chad into making deep throws, um, and I think you're looking to to surprise him with, um, you know, occasionally dropping backers or giving him giving him different looks so he thinks he has the seam, but then he doesn't. I think that's your best chance. 
um, is to to frustrate him with the the underneath stuff and and when he gets frustrated he he definitely does look downfield you know that he he will look away from a check down and he will try and push the ball down the field if from a defensive coordinator point of view I, I think the line is playing really well I don't know if I can get after him as much as I want to but I think definitely I want to to try and um, take away the underneath stuff, take away the run, and really have Chad throw the ball uh, down the field, and then you know, and then you get, you got to try and play some games with them. You got to you got to rotate. You got to make them think he's looking at man, and in fact, you got to you're going to drop somebody who's going to come underneath, or you're going to rotate somebody over. And I think that's your your only hope is to catch him by surprise on some of those deep seam routes. Yeah, that that makes sense to me, and that's kind of what I saw with their plan against BC. Like it's a, it's just a similar kind of thing. And transitioning now to the offensive side of the ball for the good guys, that's exactly what I think we're going to be looking at uh, from a Toronto perspective. So I think Toronto is going to be well served to get away from some of their tendencies because Hamilton beat BC on their tendencies. They took away the things that BC wanted to do on first down. And then the things they wanted to do on second down, you saw uh, on first down where they're, you know, looking uh, very much to stop the run. Second down, rushing three, dropping a ton of guys to that sort of middle range, forcing Vernon Adams to go deep downfield. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that. So going against their tendencies, I actually want to see screens, Toronto running screens on first down. They don't run a lot of screens as a team. I do think there's an opportunity to run first down screens against Hamilton this week. I also want to see first down play action. Toronto runs the ball on first down more than any other team in the CFL. And I guarantee Hamilton is sitting on that. Their plan coming into this week is probably take away the run on first down and then we'll we'll check in on second down and see what we have to do if we drop nine, whatever. But that's where I think you can burn them. I think you reverse that. Toronto runs the ball very effectively. We know that. But I think play action on first down, use Chad Kelly's arm. And then on second down, that's when I want to run. Even on second and long, I don't mind this week. You saw some of that space available to Mizell last week in BC, uh, where he was able to actually, the yards he did get came in unconventional uh, situations. And I think to give uh, AJ Olette the ball on like a second and eight, Hamilton's not looking for that. You're going to catch them rushing three, fanning everyone else out. I think that's where you can take advantage of them. Now, Hamilton's not a good enough team to take away the stuff you like to do entirely. So I still think you keep with your downfield shots. Chad Kelly should stay with the things that have got them to eight and one. But I like those little tweaks. Screens, play action on first down, running on second and long, catch them out a little bit on on those situations. What's your plan for the Toronto defense, JB? Uh, I think that does. I mean, honestly, I feel like I know it didn't work great against Calgary because Jake Mayer turned into John Elway, but I think that that defense is exactly what Hamilton. Hamilton is a is a time of possession team. They want to run the ball. They want to short pass you down the field. They want multiple plays. They, you know, offensively their their time of possession is really high, but their you know their conversion into points is really low. So they're kind of a weird team where they are eight, their passing yards are sort of in the top half, but you know their scoring is at the bottom. So they definitely want to kind of chip it down the field. I would be all over that underneath passing. I think you just have to. <laughs> I mean, try not to have the bus that turn into touchdowns. Uh, I don't know whether you want to 
even I don't know how outrageous they want to get, whether you want to even bait and have things that look like a bust and bait a deep throw. But I think if they are able to play that underneath passing as well as they did against Calgary, play the screen game as well as they did, um, you know, be all over the running game and, and stuff that down 10 yards and in, uh, you know, I just feel like if they can avoid open field bus that they will be all over Hamilton. Hamilton wants to do the precision game. I think you have to give them the deep game and take away the underneath and just not bust. Yeah, that's that's it, right? Like so many, so many of Calgary's plays came on bust. Like that's why Mayor had all those yards. If they don't bust, I, I think that's a blowout. So that's I think that's a big key. But it, you know, Toronto that we have moving pieces. It's it's going to be tough as they you know try and try and fill in uh, for for the injured uh, Deshaun Amos. They're they're going to be you know they're going to be situations. There's going to be some uh, a little bit of a learning curve as they as they look to to fill in that void. But um, if they can avoid busting, I do think they're in a really good situation. It's time for one thing. So my one thing this week is actually based on a stat you showed me last week about first quarter leads. I think that's the key for Toronto this week. If Toronto is winning at the end of the first quarter, I think they win the football game. I think they're able to keep the Hamilton crowd out of it. I think that's a big key for the momentum that that Hamilton's going to feel from having their own crowd in it. That, that place we know can get really loud. It's going to be busy. It's going to be a packed stadium. So if Toronto can come out of that first quarter leading, the chances of them winning the game are, are very high. And I think you showed me, I don't remember the stat last week, and I, you probably don't remember it, but the 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 amount of times that Toronto has won after losing in the at the end of the first quarter is ridiculously low. So I think even more than no, any it, other it, team. Yeah, they're basically winning at the first quarter, winning at the half, they're 600, 700 winning percentage. And losing after the first quarter, they're at 200 to like 230. I mean, it's really, really poor. Uh, so I agree with you. I think they have to. The other stat that blew me away, which again speaks to why you needed a quarterback, uh, that they are one and forty-two when scoring less than nineteen points. Yeah, that's yeah. So is that your one thing, scoring more than nineteen points this week? <laughs> that is, yeah. I'm just gonna lean on that. I know it's not very exciting, but there you go. It works. Predictions. How does this one end? Uh, I don't think this is a high-scoring one for me. I'm gonna say Toronto wins twenty to fourteen. I don't see Hamilton putting up as many points as they did against BC. Most, a lot of those came late. There was, you know, got kind of weird at the end of that game. Uh, I just think, I think Toronto's in tough. I think Hamilton is going to give them everything they have. Toronto's the better team. I think they come out on top. But yeah, 20 to 14 is is my score. Where do you see this one, JB? Uh, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think that, uh, you know, I, I said don't bust, but I think sometimes busts are kind of baked in. Uh, I see Toronto coming out on top 35-31. Wow. Okay, that's your your game sounds more exciting. So I hope we get your game in terms of taking this one in, but uh yeah, I I don't know. I see it as a low-scoring game, so can't wait to see how that one works out. 
It's time for Put Me Down for 20. And before we get into Put Me Down for 20, I just want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly, set a budget, never bet more than you're happy to lose, an amount you'd view as the cost of entertainment. And if you or anyone you know develops a gambling problem, you can call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline, one 230 3505 And if there was not another... A greater way to show you the risks of gambling. We look at JB's stat line right now. Who it, like it's incredible because it's not like it's not like you don't know what you're uh, doing. Like you cover the CFL, your picks are great. I just and can't. Yet, I, you know, I thought this week was going to be the week, and then Harris got the ball instead of Alette, and then Edmonton wins, but then you know they hit the over. Silly. Yeah, no, you've. Yeah, I think you've lost fifteen straight bets now, which is it's actually quite hard to do. Um, and so, so yeah. here we are. This is the week, JB. So you've got sixty-four golden fleeces remaining of your mm-hmm. original two hundred. Uh, what do, what are your bets this week? Uh, my two, I'm going to go Devaris Daniels anytime touchdown. Um, I just feel he plays well against Hamilton, and he and it would be great to see him, uh, um, you know, to score that. And uh, I like. Um, I like to see uh what was my what was my other one? Oh, I think you I think you have you were talking about BC is the halftime lead and then winning. Did you go with oh, that? Oh yeah, one? I have BC winning at halftime and BC winning the game. And that's uh, how- I just can't believe that they're you know, and, and the odds makers too that BC clearly took Hamilton lightly. I would imagine this week was not a very fun week to be a BC Lion from the from the players' point of view. Coaching staff definitely knew that they slept on Hamilton and they got smacked at home. Uh, you got to believe that team is going to come out firing. So I've got them winning at the half and then winning the game. Yeah, I like that bet a lot. So the DeVaris Daniels is plus 185. The BC winning at halftime and winning the game is 105, plus 105. Um, I like your DeVaris Daniels bet so much. It's what I had as well. That's my Argos bet too. It's just a great, that's a great number, plus 185 for DeVaris, who's been playing so well, who always plays well against Hamilton. Uh, we remember some of his spectacular uh, touchdowns in Hamilton. So I think that's a I think that's a really nice number. So that's where I'm putting 10 of my 295 golden fleeces. And my other 10, I'm going to put on the Elks on the money line. I, I feel like Edmonton's hot right now. Trey Ford's playing really well. I just wrote an article about him on, on Three Down Nation that you can find if you want to read about how I don't actually think he's a running quarterback, even though that's how he's killing teams. Um, I just think he's he's hot right now. And plus 175 on the money line is huge to me um, against a Calgary team that has been very hit and miss. So those are our bets for this week. It is time for our CFL picks. Uh, JB, you were three and one last week. I was two and two. Uh, so I'm 31 and 16 on the season. You are 30 and 17, just one game behind. Uh, let's go through it. So this week, BC at Montreal. Uh, I've got BC just like you. Uh, you think they're going to rebound, obviously, from your bet. You're taking BC, too. Is, I do. Is I mean, this... look, beating... Sorry, go on. I mean, that's tough. I mean, beating Montreal at home, but I do think so. Yeah, I think this is a blowout. Um, so, but, you know, again, like you say, Montreal at home, you never know. Uh, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. Uh, this is going to be a good one. I think it's close. Uh, I think I probably would take Saskatchewan with the spread, but I think Winnipeg wins the game. So I will take Winnipeg with the win. Uh, yeah, I like I like Winnipeg there too. I think that they are, uh, I think that they're the better team. 
We've both got Toronto over Hamilton. Edmonton, Calgary. I've already said I'm taking Edmonton. Uh, do you like Edmonton or Calgary, JB? Calgary. Edmonton had their Super Bowl. It was last week or their Great Cup. Excuse me. It was it. They had it. They celebrated. I'm sure none of them remember it. Uh, and that that's all they get. All right. Well, that will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough episode of the X's and Argos podcast from a, uh, I don't know, um, hunkered down position in the middle of a tropical storm. This is Ben Grant for JB saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.